Welcome to Tech in the Right Direction, the podcast. Let's take tech in the right direction to drive social change and close the employment, pay, and culture gap for women in technology. This podcast is focused on helping turn ideas into action and create opportunities for women to advance in the dynamic technology industry. I hope this podcast will inspire and motivate you to encourage more women and girls to seek or grow a career as a woman in technology. Stories about the journey of amazing women in the tech field starts right now. Welcome to Tech in the Right Direction, the podcast. This week, I'll be speaking with Holly Hunt. Holly has been passionately involved in the security industry for over 20 years and currently represents innovation in IoT, AI, computer vision for smart and safe, more connected community solutions. Having been raised by an entrepreneurial family with a focus in information technology, Holly feels at home with innovation and is excited to be at the forefront of realizing the potential of AI-enabled edge technology. Passion for convergence in the marketplace fuels her desire to help evangelize new services and solutions while supporting her enthusiasm for ever-evolving business of IoT and physical security. Holly has held executive positions in access control and video surveillance technology companies, including Keyscan, Bosch, Cognify, and JCI. Presently, she is focused on bringing innovation to the smart and safe communities as a service. Having served for several years on the board of the California Alarm Association and ACES International, Holly's knowledge and experience in security, technology, and industry best practices results in a unique perspective, a perspective which she enthusiastically shares in support of making the world a safer place for her two sons. Her eldest, Parker, has followed her into the security industry. Her spunky fifth grader, Liam, is confident mom is a secret agent. Welcome to the show, Holly. I'm so excited to have you on. Thank you so much. I'm just as excited to be hanging out with you. Awesome. So, Holly, as a woman in tech, can you share with us your career journey and how you got to where you are today? Yeah, thanks for asking. Um, You know, it it is absolutely a journey. And when I look back about how I've become a quote-unquote a woman and you know, a male leaning industry. Mm-hmm. It really comes from my roots. I grew up on a farm in Wyoming with all brothers. So I've always thought I was just one of the guys, you know. And then when I was about 12 years old, we moved from Wyoming to California. And my greatest mentor and coach was my grandfather. And he was absolutely um, a technologist at heart. Um, and also in business, he invented one of the first computers in uh, 1964 that traded in Wall Street. And at age 12, I got to join him during summers as an admin. He would say, write this down. And I don't know what I was writing, but it must have been some pretty epic stuff because it's really enabled me to see the whole landscape of where we are today. Um, and uh, my career itself started uh, you know, some time ago, but in this industry about 20 some years ago. And I went to work for a company called Allison Systems, and they were an access control system that I was out there trying to peddle and sell. But if you didn't actually install and understand the technical part of your own product, you never got to really sell it. So one of my best mentors and coaches, Lawrence Grafstein, told me, 
and he was who hired me into the industry, said, you're never going to win unless you can thoroughly create confidence in the technical application. And so from there, I became a technician because I really had to understand what I was selling. And I moved throughout my career and then moved back into the sales space and place and, um, and have had the ability to sit in a multitude of really awesome roles of development and growth in the industry. And we're in the low voltage electronic security technology industry. And I've been working um, uh, at some time for, in my life with Bosch. I've worked with Johnson Controls. Um, I've worked with both large and small companies, and I've been in a multitude of different roles. And currently, um, I'm now sitting with an organization called IntelliSight. And it's super cool. What we get to do is all the sensors and everything at the edge we get to bring all that together and create a data set and a picture to help people make really smart decisions and make sense out of what they're doing. That is great. So I have a question for you. So being raised with brothers and had a grandfather that was in technology, did you ever feel like you were raised differently than your brothers or was it pretty much the same for everyone? Um. You know, I was raised around inclusion. I never knew what diversity was because I didn't know what they were, what was different. And I was raised, I think, in inclusion because I also, one of my brothers um, is autistic. And, you know, he's older than I am. So he's in his 50s. And back then, you wouldn't have labels like that. So mm -hmm. we did everything we could to try to make it feel inclusive. And so I think part of that inclusiveness was just that I was just one of the guys, you know, in that sense, and my brothers. And I there wasn't um, any expectations of priority or preference or anything in that response. And I think that's really helped me to do well in this business is, um, you know, I I am, don't have a sensitivity in some ways, you know, to being mm -hmm. aware of that. You know, I just kind of go do it. Um, and I think that it did help growing up with all brothers. And definitely when I talk about uh, my grandfather, I really have a heart for mentorship. And a lot of my success has been that, you know, that men in my life have enabled my growth, both professionally and personally. That's great. And I think that's such a great point for us who are raising kids, you know, to realize that it should be an environment of inclusion and you know but but a lot of times we are you know we tend to give girls different kind of attention than boys if boys start crying we tell them stop crying but if girls cry we nurture that you know that situation with okay. them mm -hmm. and i think that's you know where the confidence is built early on and so we see a lot of women that lack confidence because they feel that they have to prove themselves more. They always have to do go that extra mile. So it's just really interesting. I love that you were raised, you know, like one of the boys and it's made such a difference in your career. It has, but I do have to say, I, I do have a sensitivity and I will mm -hmm. say I, I do have to manage and filter at times. And that's an interesting thing for me. Cause I wonder like, gosh, why do the, those guys don't care that, you know, why does it hurt their feelings they lost? Things mm -hmm. like So, you know, I don't know if that's a boy or girl thing or just, you know, sensitivity thing, but there is some sensitivities that I think come up in that regard. And I do want to say the difference between my brothers and I um, is that um, 
I did get a lot of guidance and mentorship from my grandfather that they didn't get that same time. Mm. And I have to say that I don't think that's because I'm a, a girl. Um, it was just where I was at in my, um, you know, interests at the time. But mm -hmm. I want to point out without that intense level of development and as a young person at the age of 12, someone telling you, you know, you create the future in the way you think. And I and I grew up, you know, with pretty challenging from, you know, kind of Grapes of Wrath uh, foundation mm -hmm. in, in that regard. So there was definitely not a silver spoon, but the silver lining was just believing so much in this mentor in my life and he told me I can create the future in the way I think and and it serves me today I absolutely can innovate through technology today and tie it all back because I was given that permission very early I love that we all need grandfathers like yours <laughs> yes, we do we do so as, as you know in our life say that again sorry I said that's what I term them the Yodas in our yes, lives. Yes, yes, absolutely. So, you know, this podcast is focused on bridging the employment, pay, and culture gap for women in technology. What are you seeing in, in the tech industry today? Well, I, I you know, think it's pretty interesting because stats for women in leadership in the tech space is only about 26% of computer jobs are held by women. Mm -hmm. And that, that, number has been declining. And more specifically, I read a stat that in 2020, only 25% of Google, of the Google, Amazon, Facebook, um, Apple, and Microsoft employees are female. So it's only 25% of those major, you know, tech companies. And there's a ratio of men to women in engineering five to one. Wow. Some other things that were pretty interesting is the turnover rate is more than twice as high for women as it is for men in the tech industry, 41% versus 17%. And I'm gonna stop on that and ask that question back to you. That is interesting and how we're, you know, programmed and developed. Like, are the guys just tougher to deal with, you know, dealing with the challenges of making it? Cause you know, that difference, I don't know. I, um, but that was just an interesting, you know, stat, why? It's really been an interesting stat to see these numbers declining because, you know, we're working so hard every day to get more women in tech. And then I go back and I look at the stats and it just is so disappointing. Uh, just with COVID alone, I mean, hundreds of thousands of women left, uh, not just technology, the workforce in general, you know, yep. some some based on unemployment, but others just forced because there's so much to attend to and it was not possible to be sane and work and take care of kids and school them and do everything that needed to be done. So it's, it is really sad. So it is because for myself as an innovator and a person that goes and solves um, technology or solves problems with technology, I need more diversity, more girls coming in the workplace, more empathetic thinkers because we're problem solvers. And I'm concerned of all the great things I want to go build and design and architect in the art of possible with technology. You know, are we going to have enough people in our workforce to help enable that? Yeah, I sit on the board for the WIT Network, which is um, about 5,500 women worldwide in, in as membership. And we are really finding that um, we need to start, you know, at, 
in order to have the pipeline, we need to start at the girls level, eight to 13. And really get them interested because at a certain point women are just not interested in technology because they think that it's just all coding and there's so many different positions in technology that they can just thrive in this industry but they don't know of them and then we miss the window to get them interested you're absolutely right and one of the um groups that I'm involved with to try to help drive that is the NSCA or mm -hmm. NCSA, I'm sorry, and that is um, their IGNITE program. And the National Systems Contractor Association is the leading not-for-profit association representing commercial integration industry. We're overarching tech, right? Mm -hmm. so National System Contractors Association is an advocate for all those who work in the industry, including systems, contractors, et cetera, you name it, huge. Um, and there's a great concern for us as an industry association, where's our future workforce? Um, and the jobs that are in our workspace are, you know, folks that do audio, sound, building automation, collaboration of digital media, data communication, digital signage, um, low voltage lining, security, fire, you know, nurse call systems, paging intercom, uh, telephony, video presentation, video conferencing, uh, access control, surveillance, you know, those, so those are mm -hmm. the type of work that we do and the markets that we cover are so vast. I mean, every market has that. But when you think about all the different jobs in that in that space in the industry, it's everything. And you said it's not just in the space. Do you have to be a coder? You could go out and do digital marketing development, right? Mm -hmm. Stand mm -hmm. in space. And so it's just really important for me um, and my passion for the business. I always say to people, I don't work in this business. I live in it, you know. And because mm -hmm. it's an it's a noble work we do to help keep people safe in, in our communities. And I just want to make sure we bring more and more people into our workforce so that we can go enable more um, awesome tech. Yeah, and I'm really passionate about that. You know, this last year when COVID started, I started thinking about, you know, everything I'm doing with groups seems like it's not making a difference, you know, because the numbers are declining. So I thought to myself, what can I do to make a difference? And I said, well, I own a training and certification company. Why don't I put together a program so that these women can come through a training program and get certified at the end of that program? And maybe that's the glue that gets them addicted to technology and mm -hmm. they'll stay in the in the program, you know, stay in the field. Mm -hmm. And so it was really, really successful. My goal was to do 100 women in 2020, and, and I did. So we did scholarships for them. We gave them everything from training to certification help to exam prep to the exam vouchers to everything they needed, and it was really, really successful. And now we are looking at doing it to scale. We're looking at how do we get a 1,000 women trained in one day on AI. There's, you know, some AI fundamentals classes that we're looking at. And I'm really excited about that because now it says, you know, hopefully these women will stay in the field. Well, it's pretty exciting when you get people to see the art of possible with technology and how could you mm -hmm. not if you give them a pre-taste. But mm -hmm. I have to agree with you when you say, what? how do we make that impact? And it's going to be 
you know, influencers and thought leaders like yourself um, and people like myself with passion that just go out into our own communities and decide, you know, how do we overcome some of the challenges that are keeping young girls from getting into technology. One of the biggest challenges is just the digital divide itself. And I'm not sure if you're familiar with the digital divide, um, but that's the gap that exists between those that have access to the internet and reliable devices and those that don't. And it's a huge challenge, um, you know, just in where we're at, and especially it was highlighted in COVID. You know, and, and it's really important that we give access to all and access to communities because digital spaces are crucial for modern communities. You know, we can wider career opportunities with the digital divide closing that and, you know, reach out to a lot more talent pools. We can equal learning opportunities with that. And so I think that's one place and space that we could really help is to make sure that we're supporting digital divide itself. One of the, area, the other areas that I'm working on that's a, a space of passion for me is um, the Friends of the Girls Academic Leadership Academy, um, which is an all-girls public and middle school and high school in Los Angeles. And the, and, um, the academy is an, is an innovative, really exciting development of STEM education, and it opened in 2016. It has 588 students. And the STEM field is really where they're driving to, and they have their annual um, Young Women's Career Conference, and I've been invited to come speak in small groups to some girls, and they call them gala goddesses, which do you not just love that? I love that. <laughs> yeah, and it's no secret that women are underrepresented in the STEM field, and that's really their passion. And, you know, on their website, it says that according to the National Center of Women and in Information, only 26% of jobs in the computing workforce were occupied by women. Mm -hmm. And of this 26%, less than 10% were women of color. And so I think it's really important that we go into our communities and start really finding those young women, like you said, in that age group. For me, um, I've had a passion of bringing my industry to the school campuses because I'm in the security industry. So why wouldn't we want a level of situational awareness and, and trade uh, education like you have woodshop or STEM, why wouldn't you want that in security technology or community policing in a sense, you know, and, and support what that looks like. And so I think that um, we're going to have to do a lot more of just getting down to grassroots and educating young women on how exciting a career in technology is. I completely agree, 100%. Um, I just think that we have to create those opportunities. We have to find the women. The digital divide is something that is real and people don't realize that. We get up, we go to our computer every day, we have internet access. We don't even think about you know, devices for people that don't have access. And like you said, it came up in COVID where on the news I saw there were some homeless people that were so focused on educating their kids that they actually were sitting like at a Starbucks or, you know, outside in the parking lot to gain internet access so that they can actually, yes. um, you know, actually get their kids educated. And that's so right. sad that there's such a big divide that, you know, we have, we have the privilege that just have it and take it for granted. And then there are so many people without it. Yep. 
stay tuned for the rest of today's interview after a brief word from our sponsor. Are you an expert in your field? Are you a woman who values thought leadership? We'd love to have you join us as a guest on an upcoming episode of Tech in the Right Direction. Visit us at directionstraining.com forward slash podcast to apply today. Help us continue to drive social change and the advancement of women in the technology industry. Yeah. So, so insight, one of the ways that we're overcoming the digital divide is just in the sheer um, what we do is we bring everything to the edge um, and we have the ability to de deliver to, to deliver um, access to broadband and a lot of the technology sets that we're putting out there for um, you know cameras or sensors you know perhaps a community or a city's monitoring their you know water on a grass that's an IOT sensor mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we put an edge device out there to push that data why not open that data port open to community um, broadband and so mm -hmm. that's what I'm really excited about is educating communities on all the technology that we're implementing for operational efficiency we can actually put a focus forward to the community service itself that's amazing thank you for all the great work you're doing on that um, so what are some of the ways I know we've talked a lot about this already but any thoughts on ways we can develop women um, so that they're the leaders of tomorrow? Um, yeah, I have. I think that a lot of ways that we can develop women and leaders tomorrow is just listen. And I found it really interesting as I've had some incredible, you know, mentors in my life. Um, my grandfather, who I share with you, is a great mentor. His wife was the first, one of the first female CIOs in Silicon Valley. Wow. And so she's one of my great mentors and coaches in life. And if I was to think about the model that she is and how amazing Brenda is, I would say that a big part of it is she's a thick listener. She's really deep in understanding and she really listens with the wisdom of her experience to help enable me. So in helping young women get into this, this business, one of the things she's really helped me to identify is what makes me happy you know, it's my passion and then helped me to wrap technology around that so that I could have a fruitful career and, you know, an income that honestly exceeds some of my male counterparts today. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Very impressive. Uh, just kind of reminded me of a story and I just love this. Uh, my granddaughters are five years old and they have this book that's called Dear Girl. I don't know if you've ever heard of it or seen it, but I hadn't until I saw them this last weekend. And it's such a great book to talk to girls about, you, you mentioned, you know, be happy. And I think that's what this book kind of tells them that it's okay if you're sad, it's okay to cry. It's okay to not go to a party if you don't want to, you know, do what makes you happy. That's, that's what you have to do. You have to make sure that you're taking care of you. And it's such a great book, even for little girls. I actually bought it for my girlfriend's uh, granddaughter, because I think the Girls need that to build that confidence early on to say, I can be anything I want to be. I can do anything I want to do, but I need to think about me because we're always thinking about everybody else. Yep. Yep. And, you know, that's another like the be happy thing is a 
you know, another mentor in my life I'll talk about. Uh, that's what she told me. That's the only choice you have is just to be happy. So um, a lot of people like, you know, I think there was a question that, that there was once someone had is how do you find work-life balance? Well, mm -hmm. I've chosen to make my work such a happy place for me that some people probably think I'm not that balanced. <laughs> <laughs> I love that too. I'm, I'm kind of the same way <laughs> with 14 so meet, meetings in a day, but I'm happy. I like doing them, you know? <laughs> so I think of all things is, you know, how can we help enable success for young women is choose happy choose that first and we'll figure out with how to create people processor technology into a career around that i mean it's so open to the future career opportunities that these young women are stepping into stem into tech you know it's not just coding in a dark room there's so much to the enablement and the vision of bringing it all together great advice i love that so, you know, as we've talked about, you have a great passion for AI, artificial inter intelligence, and IoT, where everything is connected. Share with us some of the work that you're doing around AI and IoT. Sure. So a big um, part of what we're doing at IntelliSight is our um, program called Smart Communities as a Service. Oh. So what we've been able to do, and this kind of crosses that digital divide point, is really we're beginning to map the movement and flow of communities because it's within that that the urban development teams begin to start looking at what our cities, communities, you know, places are the future. We start looking at in the traffic applications. Another um, big program, about 300 cities across the U.S., is Vision Zero, and that's having zero pedestrian fatalities, zero emissions, and zero traffic by 2030. And we're enabling that um, with data sensor sets that are up on the light poles at traffic cams. And we're beginning to see the flow of traffic. And we can actually, with AI, tell you data sets of how many cars, what the cars look like, what the velocity is, the speed, the type, the year. And that's what's so amazing with AI. It's like a living, breathing, learning organism. As you feed it more, um, more information, it grows, it learns. And a lot of cities have the most amazing um, opportunity for development of financial resources in the future by understanding the data sets that surround them in their ecosystems. And so those that information of what happens within a city allows them also to go in and do things like illegal dumping. You know, we have a huge challenge in Northern California where a city was paying like a couple million dollars a year in illegal dumping remediation. Um, and they had some really chronic offenders that they couldn't catch. So we put our technology um, on a light pole out at the edge, which is a camera tied to, you know, cloud platform and the ability with AI and license plate recognition to identify that. And with a very short period of time, they identified some chronic offenders and the DA actually prosecuted and saved the city money. But wow. all those units that sit at the edge, the reason why we can do it that's so unique at um, our organization is that the power of technology is at the edge. A lot of times you had to have really big, heavy, you know, computers and servers to crunch all this data and information. But with our partnership with NVIDIA and Dell, we sit all of that massive computer in a little tiny footprint in this, you know, hardened device at the edge that then can crunch all of that and 
do all the right information, you know, deliveries and then send the right information we want to various stakeholders. So what if, you know, law enforcement wants this data or what if parks and recs need this data or what if, you know, waste management needs that? We really can help in the efficiencies through sensors to bring a big picture together and solve a lot of problems. So that's like some of the things we're doing in cities is, you know, vandalism, creating safety. Um, we're doing illegal dumping, you know, we're really solving community problems and initiatives mm -hmm. that make it a lot more pleasant for us to be in our places and spaces. It's just so fascinating to see what technology can do. And I look back five years ago or 10 years ago, and I would have never been able to predict where we are today. You know, I still think back to um, before cell phones and all of those amazing technology that we use every day, how life is so different today than 10 years ago. What is your vision of, let's say, five or 10 years from now? What, what do we have, like, what would be our world? What would our world be like? Well, I think in five or 10 years from now, adoption's not gonna happen at the rapid pace we all want to. So we're not gonna be the Jetsons and flying cars. But I think we'll get adoption to a lot more um, uh, flexibility in how people go to work and school. Um, people become the perimeter for organizations and corporations. And I think that'll become a challenge, you know, as we grow. Um, so I think that we'll have Self-reporting, you know how you have the clear at the airport? Mm -hmm. One of things that enable us to um, move with the flow through places and spaces is access. So how are, how are we all going to self-report access um, and communicate that? You know, one of the things with COVID, my son has to have a vaccination to go back to school, but our vaccination cards are still paper. There's no digital footprint mm -hmm. or that. So those are all the things that I'm curious to see how that changes and just the flow of making life just more pleasant for everybody, um, more accessible, more inclusive, I think more than anything is what we'll probably see. Yeah. Um, so, you know, one of the things I, I forgot to share with you and I wanted to throw this stat out there and just the key stats for women in tech. Um, Epic IO and its subsidiaries are better than average, but we know we need a lot of work to make it harder to promote diversity and inclusion. And that's why, you know, they said, yes, please, let's have Holly come on and share some of our passions of getting more women into the industry. Mm -hmm. But we sit with um, our team leaders at a percent of 27% female, which is 2% uh, above, you know, Google, Amazon, Facebook, Apple, and Microsoft. So we're proud of that stat that we're actually mm -hmm. driving the right direction and being a global organization you know we have so much access to diversity and talent today that gets us quite excited that's great yeah it's really nice to see that you're above uh the rest but we have a long way to go so we have to keep working on this yep and that's you know for myself and i recently made a um a hire here in our organization with my leadership team and it was for an account manager and um, I hired someone that was not from the tech industry, a female, and had no life experience, but in account management, it's all around customer happiness, right? Satisfaction. Um, she comes from the law field. Um, and so we're super excited about the commitments and developing folks to bring them into our industry and to, you know, really drive um, that number up. 
that's great. That's great. Um, and I think awareness for diversity and inclusion is is so important. You know, I heard somebody say that, you know, diversity is a fact, but inclusion is a choice. And I love that because, you know, we need to be aware every day and every minute to be inclusive. And sometimes you have to remind each other that, you know, we need to do this. So the awareness of hiring and being more inclusive of women, people of color, uh, things that you normally wouldn't be thinking about, the awareness is so critical to make that change. Yes, yes, I'm, I'm absolutely in concurrence with you. And that's where we have to be and that's where you start, you know, is being aware. And like you said, you know, the data starts you at your starting point and moving the needle is what we each individually do out in our own little, you know, community and ecosystem every day to try to change that number. All right. So security is another area that you have set your focus on. Um, so, you know, just for the everyday consumer, do you have any advice on how to make our tech world safer? You know, I'm using a computer, I'm using a laptop, I'm using my cell phone, I use it everywhere, I connect to Wi-Fi connections, you know, what do we need to think about? What to, to make that environment more safe, because there's so much data, everything is dependent on data today. And with IoT, with all the connected devices, um, you know, there is a lot of information out there. So what advice would you give to make our tech world a little bit safer? Um, well, I think that it comes down to really looking at what you're gonna, what you need to do to kind of mitigate the, the risk of cyber hygiene, right? Mm -hmm. And so, and I'm not a cyber expert at all. For myself, when I talk about security, it's actually guards, guns, and gates. You know, ah, I okay. that level, and I'm in the security technology side, but we haven't, we are the edge now, right? We are the nervous system of any space and place is your, you know, your audio, your cameras, you know, your access mm -hmm. control, et cetera. Um, so I know security from that capacity, and I just know from working with global customers all over the world, this is a big challenge for them, and especially one where we have an extended workforce now that our perimeter is now in people's homes, right, mm -hmm. in the security mm -hmm. edges. So I think that one of the good things is to really understand the word cyber hygiene. What does that mean? How clean are you keeping yourself, right? And um, a good thing is to keep an inventory of all the hardware and software that you have access to and to, you know, what your passwords are and to not use, you know, your dog's name and your birth date as <laughs> on all of them, um, you know, and, and develop a process for software installation, you know, that's happening on your products, whether it's your own personal devices or it's from your IT department. Um, it's really, really important that nefarious characters today are not in my physical world as much of guards, guns, and gates right in front of you because they were not. We're all dispersed, right? So they're there lurking in the cyberspace. Mm -hmm. So everything be mindful of. Look at, you know, the URL addresses. Um, we had someone internally the other day say, hey, the president asked me for my cell phone number um, via email you know, because of this, but then I went and saw that it wasn't him, it was somebody else's. So that's obviously, mm -hmm. a thing. you know, and, and I've seen so many fishing expeditions happen. So 
um, you know, a lot of what's going on there is social engineering. So just be aware of that, that your data is gold. It's like oil. There's value in it. So anything that, that the bad guys can get from you, um, they'll piece together and, and leverage that for an overarching attack. And maybe it's not you that you're the target. Maybe it's your company or your school. So mm -hmm. the greater good when you think about your cyber hygiene practice, you know, password changes, use applications that are built for that. Um, don't, you know, write your password on the back of your phone. Don't share it with others. You know, if you're being asked to do password sharing, speak up, you know, create mm -hmm. complex passwords. Um, limit the number of users and administrative privileges for whatever you're working on. You know, upgrade aging infrastructure is another way for people. Like, what if you have a really old phone and there's not a way um, for you to look at your company documents without, you know, opening yourself up? So mm -hmm. I think it's probably just one of the key things I'd say is, you know, think about um, that you no longer uh, are, are as anonymous as you think. Every mm -hmm. single place and space you go, there's a digital um, signage of who you are and a digital signature, and that's where people can do bad things. Yeah, no, great advice. I love cyber hygiene and just be mindful. You know, sometimes you're on autopilot and you're doing things that you're not even thinking about. You know, that same um, email that you talked about, we had in our company where we got uh, one of our employees got a note. It was uh, an email that looked like it came from me and asking her to go buy gift cards. Yeah. And it, it was like she, she thought, OK, I better stop. I better go, you know, get them because Jennifer asked for them. And then one of the things that wasn't in there is the de denomination of the gift card. So she called me and I said, what are you talking about? And she said, well, you send me an email. And I said, oh, absolutely not. So now we mark our emails when they're external. We've really trained our employees to look at the source where it's coming from. And, you know, if she had just looked in the email, like who is it was from, she would have seen that it wasn't my email address. And so those those are the kinds of things you just have to be mindful and um, practice cyber hygiene, like you said. Yeah. That's great. Um, so being an entrepreneur, I know it takes a lot of time, lots of energy, lots of hard work. How do you balance family and business? Um, well, I'm, I have a passion, you know, for the business, but I, uh, my family's in the business, so that helps. Oh, that's, that's great. <laughs> so my 24-year-old uh, son followed me into the industry nice. and He's in Texas is, and works for Johnson Controls as a junior account manager and really, you know, loves his role there. Um, but the balance really comes to, um, I think, the secondary passion project is mentoring and coaching. So I spend a lot of my time leveraging the strengths and wisdom that I get from business in my um, space and then get to leverage that in a place that is another passion for me, which is, you know, developing young women. Um, so... You know, a big part of what I like to do is uh, we enjoy sailing. So we have a boat. We do that on the weekends. You get away and there's nothing like really getting to walk away and take that escape. Yeah, no, that's great. I think um, 
you know, balancing the things that make, make you happy. Like you said, choose happy. So important to have that as the forefront. And then everything doesn't seem like work. It just feels like fun. <laughs> so that's, that's amazing. Now, uh, what is your most favorite thing to do to relax? Um, that's a good question. I, I guess riding my bike is a really fun thing to do. And then just going out and walking my little dog, Biggie Smalls. <laughs> so Biggie's all of 10 pounds of love. He is um, what they call a Beaver Terrier or a Beaver Yorkie. Mm -hmm. And um, it's basically a, a white Yorkie with a bunch of spots. And he's just, he's just been our COVID companion. We got him um, about a year ago. Mm -hmm. And he's just kind of the break and he's really what uh, reminds me, you know, in this COVID world, it's kind of groundhog, um, you know, groundhog's day every day. So uh, mm -hmm. he's one that reminds me to like get out and go out and take that time and that breath and that walks. So I really enjoy that. I also um, really enjoy um, spending time in Arizona with my family um, and we do a lot of hiking there, which is just really beautiful in carefree Arizona, which is how could you not live in a better named place? Right? <laughs> That's uh, amazing. Yeah. So it's, it's, um, you know, just uh, finding time for quiet and really, you know, instead of finding quote on time to relax, when you say, what do you do to relax? That was kind of what troubled me for a second. Like, Hmm, do I really relax? Mm -hmm. uh, what do I do to just go get quiet? I meditate, you know, and I have a practice of doing that and really setting intentions and gratitude. And that's just probably more than anything of living this fast pace is the game changer. I love that. Great, great things um, to relax. And I'm in Arizona. So next time you come to Arizona, please look me up. <laughs> I love that invite. Thank you. Yes. Um, so in closing, what advice would you give to a woman who's considering a career in tech and, and maybe not even considering a career in tech? What would you say to our listeners? Um, I would just say whatever you're considering your career in, we've had, you know, um, a lot of time in our lives in the past that it was chosen for us. And more than ever, you get to choose. So choose happy. Um, but choose tech because tech is the future. And within tech, you'll see an amazing wealth of opportunity, multi-billion dollar market, and just IoT alone. I think 300 billion by 2023 or something. I mean, it's crazy. Wow. So, you know, it's, it's a really safe um, investment for your future when you think tech. That's great. Great advice. And I agree with you 100%. So please share with our listeners how they can get a hold of you. Sure. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. My name is Holly Hunt. So it's H-O-L-L-E-Y-H-U-N-T. Or you can hit me up at holly.hunt at intellisite.io. Um, and I'd love to connect with you. And if there's any way I can help enable your success or I can share any little bit of what has allowed me to be successful, I'm looking forward to connecting. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Holly. This was such a pleasure. It was an honor having you on my show. And I hope we can connect again, maybe in Arizona soon. That sounds like a great plan. I appreciate it. Have a good one. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Tech in the Right Direction. 
please take a minute to subscribe or follow so that you never miss an episode. Also, don't forget to like, share, and comment. Thank you. See you next week. From IT skill enhancements to end user adoption training, Directions Training is your resource to help optimize the effectiveness of your technology investments. Over half a million students have taken advantage of our wide selection of technology and business training solutions covering the most popular applications today, such as Microsoft 365, Azure, Windows 10, and more. As a podcast listener, we invite you to take advantage of an exclusive offer. Receive 30 days of free access to our Microsoft official curriculum on-demand courses for IT professionals or end users. Visit us at www.directionstraining.com slash podcast to claim this offer today. Hurry, this offer is only available for a limited time. Success is a journey. Ask for directions.